the first readings from Mark 3, chapter 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent woman in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Second reading is 2 Corinthians, starting at 16. Okay. So from now on, we, know, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled to us to, us, to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Thanks, Rosie. Oh, well, it's lovely to be with you all this morning. Um, it's uh, great to be yeah, speaking, um, speaking to you this morning. Um, we are um, continuing our series on an emotionally healthy church this morning. Um, and to be honest, when I heard that we were doing this series, I thought... <laughs> Oh no, I hope they don't ask me to speak because I feel the least qualified to talk about being emotionally healthy in some ways. Um, but, uh, but part of this is journeying together and learning together. Everybody that is up the front speaking about emotional health has not got it all sorted. We are all fallible, we are all flawed. And I just want to say that to start off with, that I am on this journey as well um, and we are learning together as a church family. So, yeah, we're basing um, this series on um, this book by, I can't remember his name, Peter Scazzaro, good surname, um, and uh, Beth kicked us off last week opening up the topic, introducing perhaps the uncomfortable activity of looking closer at our emotional health. Um, so emotional health is just a term to refer to how we manage our thoughts and feelings and emotions through the ups and downs of life. Um, someone who has good emotional health and emotional wellness is aware of their emotions and has strategies to manage their thoughts and feelings in everyday situations. So when we're going through difficult experiences like losing a loved one or conflict in relationships um, or difficult life experiences like losing a job or, um, or losing a friend, um, it's, it's having those strategies to manage the thoughts and emotions that happen in those circumstances. And as Beth said last week, we're all going to be in different places with this. Um, for some people, this is something that you're very aware of, that your kind of emotional and thought life is very much something that you think about regularly, you, you think about strategies. Um, for others, this is maybe... Emotions is something that, as Beth said last week, you might want to run out the door. Um, maybe it's just something that you've never really talked about or don't really have the language for or feel uncomfortable around. But the reason that we're taking this sort of uncomfortable journey together is that our aim as Christians is to be living lives that reflect the person of Jesus, to learn how to love one another well. And it's part of our discipleship journey and healthy discipline to think how can we do that better. So today, we're looking at how our families and the environment that we grew up in affects our emotional health and our relationships now. And I'm aware this might be quite a difficult or sensitive topic for some people, but I hope this will be something that we can explore together with grace for one another and for ourselves. 
So we're all born into families, we know that, and we inherit behaviours and characteristics from our family. And I have a new family member. This is my little niece, was born on Sunday. I think she's just done a fart, which is why she's smiling. Um, but uh, yeah, we had the great joy of having little Erin Satin has joined, has joined the fold, my brother's little girl. Um, so that was lovely, and I reckon she's got my nose. Um, so I'm, I'm claiming that as a satin nose. Um, I've also been told that I look a lot like my mum. This is my mum. We made, um, we do a lot of baking together. This was in lockdown. Um, to the point where when I walked into her office when she was working, I, people didn't even ask who I was. They were like, oh, you're Heather's daughter. She's over there. It's like, fine. Um, I also really enjoyed this process of looking at um, animals who look like their owners. So I thought I'd just show you some fun pictures. I thought these were great. So clearly, you know, inheritance there. I thought that's excellent, isn't it? Isn't that a great dog? Aren't they sweet? I quite want a dog like that. That would be sweet, wouldn't it? I thought this was the best one. I was a bit blurry, but honestly, that... Do you think? Do you think? I don't know what you can do with AI these days. It's a bit scary, but I thought that was quite good. Um, so our behaviours are a combination of our genetic disposition and the environment that we grow up in. Um, and there are two types of behaviours. There's innate behaviour and there is learned behaviour. So innate behaviour is something, if it's something's innate, it's like in your hard wiring. Um, it's something that's predictable. So when babies are born, they have, a, um, they have an innate behaviour to, to suckle, to want to suck for milk. Um, and it's also why I can predict that you're all going to have a similar response when I show a picture of maggots. There's something that we don't really like about that. That's quite an innate response. Um, and that is part of the way that we're built. Um, there are other behaviours um, that we learn, though. And these are, are a result of the environment that we're in. We can learn habitual behaviours like driving a car or learning that hot drinks shouldn't be down to one gulp, as I learned this morning, which was weird because I wrote this yesterday, and then I did that this morning, and I thought, I've not learned that behavior clearly. Um, but much of this learning comes from when we're young children. And then there's so much going on in our world that we're learning and responding to. Um, we learn physical things like how to eat, how to walk, how to write, how to swim, but we also learn behaviors that relate to our emotional lives. Um, so like how to manage conflict or loss or disappointment. We watch those most closest to us, observing the way that people around us respond to situations. And subconsciously, we pick up these patterns of behavior. So you might not know it, but actually you picked up behavior when you were children, when you're still growing, um, that your parents did. And some of these will be really good things and really positive contributions that we receive. Um, I definitely learned from my dad when, when we used to walk down the road, he would say hello to everybody in the street. And I just got used to saying that. Um, but some things that we pick up um, are actually not that helpful. And they can be unhealthy ways of responding. We are all flawed and imperfect. And our parents are too. Um, sorry, guys. Yeah, your mum and dad aren't perfect. Um, but uh, we... So it's an inevitable part of life is to pick up the good and the more, the more unhelpful things from them. But part of growing up and maturing, and as you get older, as you get, become a young adult, and as you live out your adult life, um, 
Part of maturing is being able to evaluate these behaviors. So rather than accepting, this is how I am, this is how I behave, deal with it, and that we have to live with the consequences of that and other people have to, we have the opportunity to look objectively, um, to look at how we respond in difficult situations and evaluate whether they're healthy or not. So we get to almost like put something, rather than just being like, this is how I am, this is how I act. It's kind of like saying, right, I'm going to put that to the side and I'm going to look at it from different angles. And Beth talked a bit about kind of doing therapy um, last week and the idea of like kind of unloading a bucket and looking at it separately in order to then put it back in in a better way. And it's that opportunity that we've got to think about uh, the way that we respond to situations. So, in, in this exercise, as we start to look at the behaviours that we have and the experiences that have maybe led to those, we're not looking to judge or place blame on anybody, and that's really, really key. Um, we don't, we're not kind of, if we're looking at our genetics and our environment and experiences we've journeyed, we just want to look at them, we want to observe, but we're not there to place blame on anybody. Um, in this, we just want to look internally to start identifying what are the areas that I want to work on. We want to look at our past to see how it is affecting our present ability to live out good and healthy lives and relationships. And this is not only to benefit ourselves, but to benefit those around us and crucially the next generation. Unless we recognize the power that our past can have and does have on our current relationships and ways of behaving, we risk replicating some of those behaviors ourselves and impacting others as consequences. Not just as children, not just to children, but to the people around us as well. We live in relationship with each other and we, we all know, we've all had that experience, haven't we, of where maybe you have a conflict with somebody and you just think, oh, you've reacted in a really different way. I don't really know how to deal with this. By looking at ourselves and our own behaviors, we're making our relationships with others um, easier and in a better place. And we see this impact, the generational impact in the Bible. When we look at David's line, we see three generations of unhealthy relationships with women. Um, King David murdered another man to gain another wife for himself. His son Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. How? I'm not even going to ask. But, and his son Absalom had 18 wives and 60 concubines. There's a generational impact here of unhealthy relationships, which goes against the commands that God gave them as kings in Deuteronomy 17.17. 17. The Lord says in that verse um, that the king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. And we see the impact of that in the Bible. We also see a generational impact when we look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So each of these fathers had a favoritism towards one of their sons. So Abraham favored Isaac over Ishmael. Isaac favored Jacob over Esau, and Jacob favored Joseph over the rest of the brothers. And we learned about that, didn't we, in the last series of looking of, of what happened when, when Jacob actually favored J Joseph and gave him a wonderful cloak. His brothers didn't exactly like that, did they? And in each of these generations, there was a great sibling rivalry. 
the children were impacted by the parents' behaviours. Now, I would imagine that none of this was intentional, um, but rather it is a subconscious impact of living amongst unhealthy behaviours. So what do we do about this? Where do we start? Well, a first step is looking just at how our family shapes us. And this isn't something that we can do in a 20-minute service. I'm not expecting us to go into detail of this. But rather, I would encourage you to just take a look and exercise um, just to reflect on this in the coming weeks. And I wonder whether... Would you guys just mind just handing out the um, handout? Thank you. So it's just a piece of paper and um, got a few questions on it. So considering questions like... Um, describe your parents' and grandparents' marriages... What are some generational themes that have happened in your family? How well did you talk about feelings? Um, how were things like money handled or relationships? Were there any kind of heroes or heroines in your family? Were there some people that were rejected? What were maybe some traumatic things that have happened that might have affected you? And then once you've kind of done that, then have a bit of a reflect on what are the patterns maybe that you notice in answering some of these questions. How might your family or the environment that you grew up in have impacted you? And I guess the kind of crucial one there is kind of that question three, like in what situations do you think that you might respond unhealthily, either in your thoughts or behaviours? So thinking through these questions, we can start considering our family and upbringing and how it might be shaping you. And it's really important to remember that we can both love our parents and also consider that some of their behaviours might be unhealthy. As we said kind of before, we want this to be an exercise where we're not blaming anybody and we're coming at this with grace and love. But what do we do when we've opened up our hearts to some of these thoughts, when we've answered some of these questions? And I expect that it will be a bit of a challenge. I had a, I had a go at this. I started answering some of these questions. By the way, these are taken from the book. I've not written these. Um, but, um, but found that as I was writing it out, it can be hard to think about um, sort of maybe what, what negative things might have happened in the past. Um, so what do we do with that? Well, when we turn to Jesus, we are welcomed with open arms, aren't we? We're welcomed into a new family, the family of God. The old is gone and the new has come. And we are brothers and sisters in Christ because we have all fallen short and we are all saved by grace. We are all on the same level. And through this grace, we are adopted into God's family. We are made a new creation, and through our church family, we need to kind of learn to be reparented. We're learning, actually, how does God deal with these situations? What is a different way of reacting in these situations? 
And we need to have grace for ourselves and one another as we walk on that journey together, as we come to church, as we learn different ways of being, different ways of handling situations, of thinking, what would Jesus do in this situation? Um, When I was growing up as a teenager, we had those bands that were like WWJD. I feel like they've gone out of fashion now. need to bring them back. But um, that was a very 2000 thing. Um, And kind of thinking, what would Jesus do in the situation? Not what would I do, not what would my mom or dad do or grandparents do, but what would Jesus do? And um, even though our past is still our past and we can still carry scars from that, um, I do believe that God can and does use our past, both positive and negative, to shape us But understanding how our past has shaped us is a step closer to being able to break some of those perhaps destructive patterns and pass on more healthy patterns to the next generation and the people around us. As a church family, we want to support each other and walk together through this, also showing others alternative ways of being um, or behaving um, so an, an example kind of from, for myself, I've found it, um, I find it really difficult to speak to somebody if, some, if someone's hurt me to have, to kind of have it out, not have it out with them, that sounds like arguing with them, but, but to say actually that, that really hurt what you said and this is what I've been, um, and I want um, to kind of resolve that. My more natural way is to kind of probably if somebody said something, is to think about it a lot, to have an internal conversation and argument in my mind of where I tell them exactly what I think and how hurt I am and I'm crying and all that kind of thing. And then I go and speak to somebody else and say, this person said something really horrible and it wasn't very nice. And I don't actually deal with the situation in the first place. And I'm very aware that that's how I react. But I'm learning. I am I'm aware of that, and through this process of looking at my behaviors, I've identified that as a behavior that I want to change. And through learning and speaking to others and saying, how would you react in this situation? What, what do you do? What, what are different strategies for dealing with this? I'm learning an alternative way and a healthier way of dealing with that kind of conflict. So we all have a responsibility to lovingly support each other as we grow and mature, not judging each other, but in humility and kindness, walking some of this out with each other. Um, So I'd encourage you to think kind of who is somebody that maybe I can talk to about this Um, or even like who does this in a better way. So if there's something that you've identified as this is a behavior that I want to change, um, then kind of think, who do I think does that well? Who, who have I seen that, that kind of deals with this in a better way than how I seem to be? And talk to them. Ask them, what, what would you do? What would you do in this situation? Um, but we, we don't want to be kind of battling these things on our own. It's very difficult to learn something just in isolation. But we're in a community together to help each other and to support each other. So I want to just give a bit of space just to pause and reflect on this. Um, I think, is the band coming up next? Is that the next? Yeah. Um, So just to have some time reflecting for yourself, either just have a look at the questions, have a think through for yourself. Um, What what is kind of on your mind? What's what's this triggered? What's that thought that's going through your head at the minute Um, that maybe you just need to spend a little bit of time thinking about? 
Um, if you're an external processor, feel free to talk to the person next to you, but otherwise just have some personal reflection time. And I think it's also important to pray for one another, to lift these things up to God and to help break some of these chains that might be binding us. So if you'd appreciate prayer, um, then kind of I'm going to be sort of in the tabernacle area if people want to just come and pray. And if anybody else, if there's a few people, if we'd just be kind of perceptive, if there's um, people wanting prayer, just some help would be great. Um, but just to bring these things before God. Um, we're all on this journey together and none of us are perfect. Um, but we can all work through this together. We're, we're learning together and we can love each other and ourselves through this process.